Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I hope that your new year is starting out great. I'm also glad that you're listening to the show this morning. What a wonderful week it's been in Durango, Colorado. Beautiful snow blanketing everything. Had a great day up on the mountain. It was wonderful snowboarding. And I am just enjoying this new year. It's been a great start. I hope that you're seeing it the same way. As we look towards the new year, I hope that you'll listen to last week's show. If you missed it, go to godsolutionshow.com and get that show. We talked about the top five keys to making 2015 all that it can be, to thriving in 2015. And I'm confident that if you put those things into practice, this year will be one of your greatest ever. I'm sure looking forward to 2015 with all sorts of hope and expectation. It'll be great. Well, anyway... Today, I wanted to discuss something that you may have seen in the news, I'm not sure, but I don't want to get into it too much directly. The new Newsweek that's out this week is extremely derogatory towards Christians, and baselessly so. I don't even want to give it the recognition of actually dealing with it specifically. I don't want to go into details about what is written in that magazine, because I think it would be nonsense to even discuss it. There was all sorts of vitriol, all sorts of ignorance, and a whole lot of nonsense in what was written. So there's no need to even deal with it specifically. But it did bring up some issues that I thought we should talk about today, namely misconceptions that people have about Christianity and Christians. We see this all the time, and it's important to deal with it. The first misconception, which was clearly portrayed in the Newsweek magazine this week, is that Christians are intolerant. So misconception number one is that Christians are intolerant. Now, I always think that this is such a funny misconception. When I hear it, it's hard for me to believe it because that very statement is somewhat intolerant of Christians. Christians do have firm beliefs about what is right and wrong and what is true, but everybody has those beliefs. Whenever someone says, oh, you're wrong, they're telling you right off the bat that they have a strong belief about what's right. So when someone says Christians are wrong, they're intolerant, they are inherently being intolerant themselves. They're inherently showing a double standard, if you will. We see this all the time. I am always appalled by the different types of fish bumper stickers or logos on the back of people's cars. You'll see the alien fish and the fish and chips and the fish and dog and the Darwin fish and the dinosaur eating the fish and all these different crazy bumper stickers trying to belittle Christianity and Christians. I always wonder whether or not those people would call Christians intolerant and say that Christians are the ones that are intolerant when they're being so blatantly and obviously intolerant towards Christians. I have a student in a class here at Fort Lewis who has a professor who frequently, from the front of the classroom, berates white heterosexual males, calling them the problem with society, berating their Christian faith, talking about white heterosexual males, talking sometimes about white Christian heterosexual males, disparagingly talking about how they're the cause of the problems in the world. 
Interestingly, this lady, this professor, has white heterosexual males and white Christian heterosexual males in her class. She has no idea that she's being blatantly sexist, blatantly racist, blatantly intolerant, blatantly mean and aggressive. I think that she would be quick to say Christians are bigots when in reality she's the most bigoted person in the classroom most likely. It is appalling to me that we see this kind of double standard in society. But that's exactly what we saw in this Newsweek article. Christians are intolerant. Well, actually, the entire article is intolerant. I wanted to discuss that, though, and four other misconceptions that it brings up that a lot of people have about Christians. When we look at this type of accusation, we have to sit back and wonder, what is tolerance in the first place? Well, tolerance, by definition, is tolerating others. It's just putting up with them. It goes further in our society, which has endorsed a type of ultimate pluralism, where we seem to believe as a society, at least it's becoming trendy to believe, that it's wrong to say that anyone's wrong. But the second someone says someone is wrong, the so-called tolerant crowd is quick to be intolerant and say they're wrong invalidating the pluralism that they endorse. It's backwards, it doesn't make sense, it's illogical, but it's endorsed by so many without thinking very much about it. But we see it all the time. So what is tolerance? Is it just tolerating people that are different than ourselves or even worse, just assuming that everything is okay and that we shouldn't say anything is wrong? Obviously, if we take that ultimate pluralistic approach, we couldn't say that Hitler was wrong. Recently, we talked to a Jewish friend who is not practicing in that religion, and the person said, morality is just whatever society deems is right and wrong. It's just a social construct. Interestingly, that person would not dare say that what Hitler did to his people was okay because society deemed it was okay. Obviously, we can't say everything goes. Some things are really wrong, and some things are really right, and we know that. And if that is true, then it's okay to say some things are wrong. That is not intolerant. In fact, it is loving very often. When Christians say to certain other segments of society that certain actions that you engage in are detrimental to your health and others' health, that's a loving statement, and they don't say that in a way that means that the person is evil, but rather that their actions are harmful. Now, that can be done in a loving way, or it can be done in a wrong way. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians have not communicated that necessarily in a loving way, but a lot of them have, and they're still called intolerant even when they are warning people in love about the danger of their actions. I'm thinking right now of one current example. I won't even elaborate on it because it could get me into trouble on this show. I would not be treated with the tolerance that a lot of the other side demands of Christians. But the reality is there is a lifestyle being endorsed today which can shorten a person's life expectancy by 10 to 20 years. Now, if I love someone... I will be quick to tell them that the lifestyle you're engaging in that can shorten your life expectancy by 10 to 20 years is dangerous. And the Bible says it's dangerous. 
And God didn't just say that because he didn't want you to have fun. He said that because he loved you and wanted your good first. I can say that lovingly and be called intolerant. That's not intolerant. That's love. So the Christian should be one that loves others. In fact, God defines himself as love and says that if we don't love others, then we don't even know God. We can be tolerant, but I think we should go far further than tolerance. We shouldn't just tolerate people. From a Christian perspective, we should love people. We should put their good above our own. That's the true meaning of love. And we should do that knowing that each of them, as much as we might disagree with them, is made in the very image of God. And I should love them for that reason, not because they act like me, not because they think like me, not because they talk like me. I should love them simply because they are made in the very image of God. So when we hear the misconception that Christians are intolerant, that's not right. That's based in this pluralistic view that everything goes except when you say there is a real truth and real right and wrong. Then, of course, that doesn't go. Of course, that statement doesn't work. We know that truth is objective, that there are true moral values that are objectively right and wrong. We know that it is not right to just say that anything goes and then to turn around and say, but you can't say the opposite, right? Because that would be contradicting itself. So when people say Christians are intolerant, sometimes I think they're actually hitting on a reality. They're hitting on the reality that maybe in the past some Christians have not shown love in a true way to others around them. Maybe they thought they were loving, but they weren't doing it the right way. But the reality is that Christianity teaches us to love others as ourselves, to put their good above our own, and to communicate that love to them, even when it's not popular, and even when it goes against social norms. So misconception number one, Christians are intolerant. I would have to say to that misconception, Christians should be more than tolerant. They shouldn't just tolerate people, they should love people. Jesus said that if we truly love him, we'll obey his commands. So I'd go so far as to say that Christians that aren't doing that aren't real Christians. So that's a misconception. Christians are more than tolerant. They're actually loving of those that are different than themselves. Okay, number two, Christians never have any fun. This is crazy. Whenever I hear people talk like this, I want to ask them to just look at my life for a little while. I think I have more fun than almost anybody I know. And a lot of Christians I know have a lot of fun as well. Now, of course, you're going to find Christians that don't have a lot of fun. Well, that's too bad. You'll find all sorts of people of all sorts of belief systems that don't have all that much fun. But this is crazy to make that kind of accusation or to have that kind of misconception about Christianity. Christians have a ton of fun. Now, this really starts with our true identity. A lot of people think that the second you become a Christian, you lose your identity. You just become another clone, another cookie-cutter Christian. That's not the case at all. C.S. Lewis really summed this up, stating that until you've given up yourself to God, you won't have a true self. We see this all the time. When people come to Christ, they actually become who they were meant to be all along. They don't become a cookie-cutter person just following the mold of other Christians. They actually come into their own in very unique ways. See, the Bible says that every single person was created in God's image with a unique set of gifts and talents given to them by God alone, meant to use those in unique ways that benefit the rest of the body of Christ, like Christians would say, other believers, 
in very unique ways. So every person is uniquely created, uniquely crafted, uniquely talented, uniquely gifted, with unique backgrounds, all put into perspective in Christ, exhibiting those in a unique way. When we come to Christ, we don't lose our identity. In reality, we experience our true identity the way that God himself created us to express it. I see this with students all the time. I see students that think they're being really unique. They think they're developing a very unique identity and persona. In reality, they're just a clone of everyone else doing the same old party scene, doing the same old drinking scene, doing the same old drug scene, doing the same old sports, using the same old cuss words, putting the same old stupid bumper stickers on cars, living like they're being a real unique individual, trying to achieve that self-actualization that society says they must achieve, in reality finding nothing more than hopelessness and conformity with all the rest. I see students like that all the time come to faith in Jesus Christ, make decisions to put their trust in Christ. Today I spoke with a young man who decided to put his trust in Christ. I see people like this put their trust in Christ and just blossom. They take on the identity that they were made to exhibit. They're changed from the inside out. No longer do they feel like they have to go do the party scene, do the drinking scene, do the drug scene, do the whatever scene just to fit in with the crowd. Now they realize that they're a unique person made in God's image, and they have freedom to be who God made them to be, regardless of what other people think of them. That leads to incredible personal growth and personal development. So it's not true to say that Christians never have fun. When someone comes to Christ, they begin to have fun for the first time. They truly begin to live like they've never lived before. That continues to grow. The Holy Spirit's in their life and begins to produce his fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in their lives. Wouldn't you love to have all those things growing in your life? I see it all the time. I remember a young lady that was atheistic and in some different types of lifestyles that most would associate with the opposite of Christianity. She came to faith in Christ here several years back. I remember seeing her before that time, and I would always think, gosh, that lady looked so sad. She looked so angry. She looked so just boiling inside. She looked like she constantly wanted to fight. When she came to Christ, I'd see her around campus. She'd be smiling. She had this peaceful joy that just radiated from her face. And she put it this way at the end of her first year as a believer. She said, I used to be so angry inside that I wanted to die and I wanted everyone else to die also. That's what she said. But she said that Christ replaced that with his love. She really began living life for the very first time. That's partly why we call coming to Christ being born again. There's new birth. You become spiritually alive. It's not that you're living a boring cookie cutter life. Just a clone like so many other clones. In reality, you become alive for the very first time, living the full life that Jesus promised. See, Jesus promised that anyone that followed him would have the abundant life, a meaningful, fulfilling life. And I see Christians experiencing that all the time. And sadly, I see so many that have not yet found Christ missing out on true life. 
So it's a misconception that Christians never have fun. I think they have real fun. They have real confidence knowing that their sins have been forgiven, that their regrets are behind them. They have real friends that love them in spite of their shortcomings because the Bible tells them they have to love each other. They have real fun, not just doing things because their friends say they have to to fit in, but they actually get to do things that are fun just for the sake of enjoying this wonderful world that God has put us in. They have true adventure with purpose. See, without God, we don't have any true purpose. In God, we can have real purpose that will last for all of eternity. That all equals up to real fun. Believe me when I say that I think I have more fun than anybody I know. So the first two misconceptions are, one, Christians are intolerant. We discussed how Christians, true Christians, are truly loving, which is far more than just tolerating other individuals. Misconception number two is that Christians never have any fun. We discussed how Christians coming to Christ begin to take on the identity that they were made by God to exhibit. And in doing that, they have freedom and can really enjoy all that God has given them in this world unlike any other. All right, those are two misconceptions. We'll get to the rest in a minute. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. I'm talking about the top five misconceptions that people have about Christians. And this kind of was spurred on by the Newsweek article this week. That magazine was extremely derogatory towards Christians, not tolerant at all. They definitely did not show the tolerance that they supposedly demand of others. But the reality is that it brought up a lot of misconceptions that people have about Christians. So I'm addressing some of those on the show today. The first misconception was that Christians are intolerant. We found that they are not, that true Christians are truly loving. We looked at the second misconception, that Christians never have any fun. And we dismantled that misconception as well. The third misconception is that Christians are sexist and discriminate against women. Well, this is crazy. In Galatians 3.28, we read this famous verse that says that in Christ, there is neither male nor female. See, in Christ, we are totally equal. We know that based on the very first chapter in the entire Bible where God says that he made man and woman together in his image. Women portray some of the characteristics and attributes of God, and men portray some of those as well. Together, we make up a complete picture of God's image. Together, men and women are made in God's image. It would be crazy to say that Christians are sexist. That was one of the things that came out in this absurd Newsweek magazine. It's not true. The reality is that the Bible gave special recognition to women. If you look all through the Bible, you find women in so many different types of leadership positions. It's unbelievable. You see women that led entire countries like Deborah leading Israel. You see women that were prophetesses and women that gave various different types of leadership roles, both in the Old and New Testaments. You see women accepting from Christ a very unique type of love that was not commonly showed to women in that day and age. Look at how Jesus treated the woman at the well in John 4. Look at how Jesus treated some of the women that followed him, like Mary Magdalene. Look at some of the relationships that Jesus had with different women. 
This is something that you did not see in other religions or in other worldviews or perspectives. Look also at the way women were treated in the early church and how many women came to Christ simply because of how well they were treated in the early church. Now, some would say, what about those purple passages, those couple different passages in 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians that seem to paint a different picture? Now, when I look at those from my own American light, reading my culture into them, they look sexist. I'll agree. When you look into what's really happening there, it's not sexist at all. I don't have time to get into those passages today. I would encourage you to go to GodSolutionShow.com and look at a few past shows where I've actually discussed those passages in more depth. Again, go to GodSolutionShow.com or look at Two Views on Women in Ministry. You can get the book on Amazon. It's a great read. But the bottom line is that Christians are not sexist. In fact, we see in Scripture from the very first chapter in the Bible all the way through the New Testament that women are seen as equal with men, both men and women portraying different aspects of God's nature. So women are treated with dignity and respect by Christians. At least they should be. Now, I compare that with what I see around the world. When I look around campus, a lot of times, non-Christian men look at women as nothing more than objects. They look at them as nothing more than a way to fulfill their desires. That is truly crazy. I'm reminded of a debate that we had with an atheist club here five or six years ago, where the atheists were literally being booed by the feminists in the audience who were actually giving standing ovations and clapping for the Christian responses to various questions that were posed to them. Because the reality is that in Christ, women and men are equal. We all portray different aspects of his very nature, and we are all valued as created in his image. All right, so the top five misconceptions we're discussing today, we've dealt with three. Christians are intolerant. No, they're not. They are loving. Christians never have fun. Yes, they do. Christians are sexist. No, they're not. Okay, number four, Christians are all hypocrites. Well, some unfortunately are. As I read through those first three misconceptions, you probably thought, well, of course, some of those are valid because I've seen that in Christians around me. Well, that brings us to our fourth misconception that Christians are all hypocrites. Unfortunately, like I said, some really are, and some really portray an unchristlike lifestyle. That's not good. The Bible says they're going to actually face a harsher judgment. Billy Graham put it this way. He said, every day, thousands and thousands of airplanes take off and land safely. The only ones we ever hear about, though, are the ones that crash. That's true. When Christians don't live up to God's standards, they sure do get noticed for it. Unfortunately, the countless others that do live out their Christian faith rarely get noticed for it. So are all Christians hypocrites? Absolutely not. Christians are definitely sinners that need a savior. I have yet to meet a perfect Christian. I have yet to meet one that does not sin. But as Christians, we're being transformed every single day, hoping to become more and more like Christ on a daily basis. And I want to close out that misconception with a challenge. If you are a hypocritical Christian, don't be, because this is the number one thing that drives people away from Christ. Okay, the fifth misconception that people have about Christians 
are that Christians are brainless. I had to end on this because it really gets to the core of why we do this show. The best evidence leads us to Christ. In fact, I close out every show saying that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And I really do believe that. I believe that if someone is open-minded and humbly investigates the evidence with an open mind, they'll come to the conclusion that there is no other option than Jesus. In fact, we look at the evidence for him, whether we look at history or philosophy or science, whatever we look at, we find that the evidence is solid for Christian theism. When we look at the evidence for atheism, there is no evidence for atheism. When we look at the evidence for other worldviews, it's lacking as well. The evidence points me directly to Christ. And like I said last week, Christ alone demonstrated that he actually had power to offer us what he claimed he could offer us. No one else has ever beaten death. No one else has ever offered you eternal life and then proved that they had the power to give it to you. So ultimately, at the end of the day, even though there's tremendous evidence for Christian theism, even if there wasn't, based solely on Christ's promise of eternal life and his ability to back that up with his own resurrection, we'd have to conclude that there are no other options. Nobody else has even offered something like this. But the reality is that Christians are not brainless. That's a misconception. The evidence leads us to faith in Christ. There are millennia of examples of powerhouses of intellectualism that professed their faith in Jesus Christ. And that continues to be the case today, where the world's most famous atheist refuses to debate one of the greatest Christian apologists or defenders of the Christian faith out there. Again, I've asked you on the show to sign the petition asking Dawkins to debate Dr. William Lane Craig. I hope he will someday. But that's just one example of the reality that it's a misconception to say that Christians are brainless. Well, I've talked about five different misconceptions today. Number one, Christians are intolerant. Number two, Christians never have fun. Number three, Christians are sexist and discriminate against women. Number four, Christians are all hypocrites. And number five, Christians are brainless. All those are misconceptions, and they are easily dismantled with a little bit of consideration. Now, I hope that you've never bought into those misconceptions, but if you have, I hope that you'd be tolerant enough to reconsider your opinion today and to say, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there is something to the Christian faith. I think I'll investigate the evidence. I think if you're willing to do that, you'll find that Jesus Christ really does have the answers that you've always been looking for. He says that God loves you with an everlasting love and that no matter what you've done, God desires to be in relationship with you today. That's incredibly good news. The Bible says that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Part of that is to be in relationship with him. Part of that is to have a life of meaning and impact here on this planet. You're not just here in vain. And then the real thrust of God's purpose for your life is to spend all of eternity with him in heaven. That's incredibly good news, knowing that God loves you and has this wonderful plan for your life. Unfortunately, the Bible says you and I are both sinful, that every single person that's ever lived is sinful. The Bible defines sin as simply failing to measure up to God and his standards of what's right and wrong. We've all lied. We've all cheated. 
We've all thought horrible thoughts. We've all lusted. We've all done these things that we know are wrong. Our own conscience tells us that we can't even meet our own standards, much less God's perfect standards. Knowing that, I realized that I could never be in relationship with a perfect God. Perfection and imperfection don't mesh together. It's impossible. He's perfect and he's perfectly just. And he could never, with his characteristic of justice, just write off sin like it's no big deal. When we look at the horrible tragedies being perpetrated across the globe, we have to realize there has to be justice. Well, the Bible says that sin deserves eternal death and separation from God. Fortunately for us, God loved us enough that he died on the cross for your sins and mine, paying the penalty so I wouldn't have to, so that anyone who puts their faith and trust in him could be forgiven and adopted into his family. If you've never taken that step out, I encourage you to do it right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are, and I believe you can offer me what you promise. I put my faith and trust in you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again to give me new life. Please be my Savior and Lord. If you've never taken that step before, I pray that you'll take that step this morning. I pray that you'd also visit a local church and continue growing this morning. What a great way to start out the new year. Go to GodSolutionShow.com and check out some local churches and the times and the places that they meet. Well, again, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.